Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children 18 plus, you are tuned in to the Lone Officer Podcast with me, Dustin Owen, and my main man, JC, John Coleman. Yo, what's poppin'? Namba Connect, homie, we finally made it. Make some noise, people. Make some noise, people! Absolutely standing love room, it. Standing room only in the conference room we're in. Standing room chock only. full of people. Hey, Amazing. Sh- shout out to Tony Thompson and his team yeah, over thanks, at Tony. Namba. We rolled in last night about 4 p.m. Smacked. Uh, you no, know, you got smacked. No, nah, light. it was light work for me. Okay, I left here at about 10.30. Yeah. And I saw somebody's black car still in the... Uh, in the parking lot. Yeah, it was a good spot. I got to leave it there. You know, you got to take advantage of it while you can. Is that what happened? Did yeah. you have to Uber home last night? No, never that. I'm always responsible. Yeah, That's no, it. I, um, John and I, it's funny. We were both here together, but we weren't together, right? We have to like divide and conquer when we come to events like this. So he went to work to bark. That's kind of his scene. And I was very fortunate that I got invited. I kind of got, felt like I was a part of the adult table finally Thanksgiving. And oh my gosh, but I got to go to the, the table. I had guys like Rob Chrisman at my table. I had someone high up at Freddie Mac at my table. Had Mitch Kider at my table. I'm like, damn, I got lucky. Who are those, or, who are those people? Yeah, don't worry about it. Oh, okay. Yeah, the people in the audience, they know who that is. Do you know who that those people are, people in the audience? Not till today. Not till today. Shout yes. out home who didn't know till just now. He didn't know. Don't no. nobody know these people. You know what? They they don't know, but they should know. There you go. That they was don't my point. know because uh, they should know. We should study where we came from as well as where we're going. Mm-hmm. Right, and, and these are people, I mean, Mitch Kider, 40 years in the mortgage industry. There's a good chance that if you work for a top 100 independent mortgage banker, that at some point in his career, Mitch Kider has been the attorney who represented your lender. And there's a good chance if you are a mega top 10 independent mortgage banker, right? Okay. Mitch Kider and his law firm, they represent you. Meaning, like, if the CFPB right now is in your office doing an audit, the person or the people defending you, it's Mitch Kider in, in his law firm. Shout out Money Mitch, then. There we go. Shout out Money Mitch. Yeah. Rob Chrisman has been in the industry for probably as long as Mitch Kider. And many of you have heard me talk about Rob because I subscribe to his daily email. And I like getting his daily email because it's my way of kind of keeping abreast to what's going on in the industry. And it's a quick read because, quite honestly, two-thirds of it's ads. Uh, two-thirds of it is um, you know people talking about how great their company is or what job openings they have or who they just hired. But buried within there is typically about one or two paragraphs that just keeps you in the know. And then anytime you can talk to someone at Freddie Mac who's talking about all of their affordable housing initiatives, I'm going to put this out there for all of the mortgage community to, to know, but also home buyers and realtors alike. Look out for Freddie Mac in the future. So for the past 20, 30 years, Freddie Mac has always been the little runt stepbrother to Fannie Mae. And if you're ever able to go to a national conference, you can kind of see that, right? Fannie's like, hey, kiss the ring. Freddie's like, hey, what can I do to earn more business? That could change because Freddie is aggressively making relationships with lenders, with credit unions, uh, really trying to attack the affordability issue, really trying to attack uh, home buyer initiatives. So it's gonna be interesting to see how those two siblings compete and rival each other in the future. So. Yeah, here we are, day two of Namba, John. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It was just Friday. That's all I heard. It's Friday. Yeah. Well, I've had an exciting week. You asked me what's popping. I went from Boise, Idaho to Milwaukee, Wisconsin, back to Orlando, Florida. And Milwaukee allowed me to be in some executive geeked out meetings, Mm -hmm. talking about the industry, the future of the industry, how we're going to survive the next six months and what changes need to happen. Then I roll right into this. Hold on, hold on. Why don't you give some people high-level bullet point insights since you like, you know, you kind of tend to run a mortgage company sometimes. Why don't you give them some insights, some high-level bullet points that well, aren't, you know what I'm saying? That I could. You know, something that's not, you know, proprietary. You don't want to give away all the sauce, but just why don't you let well, it keep. Well, I could, or what's really cool is the people in the audience today at 9 a.m., they got to listen to Dave Stevens. Mm. He was not at dinner. I was disappointed. Uh, but they got to listen to Dave Stevens speak, Rob Crispin speak, Mitch Kider speak on a panel. Mm-hmm. And to keep the spotlight on NAMBA, National Association Minority Mortgage Bankers of America. That's a mouthful, by the way. Yeah, that sure. really is a mouthful. It took me like at least a year and a half of practicing before I was able to like spit it out like that. Yeah. But I can maybe recap a little bit of what those gentlemen shared to yeah. this audience. For those that are listening, like, man, I wish I could have made that event in Orlando. You should have because it's super fun. Last night, DJ, booze, 
food. I saw people doing some of the uh, the line dancing, it's right? Like the Cupid carna- Shuffle, it was a Carnival Cruise Line. John called it a Carnival Cruise Line. Yeah, yeah that's it was, when people play music. Yeah, yeah, yeah and, and people do line dance. I like a little line dancing. I know you do. Yeah, I got out there for a minute or two. But we're not here to talk about that, Dustin. We're here to let the people ask us questions and shit. All right. So what do you want first? Do y'all want questions, or you want me to give the people listening and viewing on YouTube? A recap yeah, of what give them the recap and then we'll start answering the questions all right cool that's what we're going to do so we're going to give you all a recap of the first session at namba friday morning all right so you have dave stevens dave stevens a who's who in the mortgage industry uh he's a guy that i've looked up to for over a decade when i went through my cmb journey he is the person that i asked to sponsor me he is someone that personally i would want to emulate his his career then you have Mitch Kider, who I've already talked about, and, and Rob Christman. So these are three experienced mortgage executives. And the questions are, hey, what's going on in the industry? What's the landscape? What does the next six, nine months look like? Where's the opportunity? And in a nutshell, the overall theme is like, y'all should know this. And John and I haven't hidden behind this. Winter, a cold-ass winter is coming. Some of it is seasonality, meaning, yes, here we are in September. October, November, December, we get into fall, then we get into winter. But um, we have a winter coming for our industry because there's been a lot of uh, companies and originators and lenders and then all the companies that support us have been holding on, right? They've been Mel Gibson, Braveheart, hold, hold. But the problem is they're getting ready to get wiped out. Like it just, it is what it is. A natural cleansing is coming through. The strongest of the strong will survive. Those that aren't the, the elite won't or those that are able to adapt will survive those that aren't willing to adapt won't survive so that is coming quite honestly it started coming in 2019 in 2019 i started getting excited about this because yes i'm a competitor and i do get excited about that i don't get excited about people losing their jobs right and companies going to business but i get excited when i compete and i feel like we're doing things the right way and people are maybe pushing boundaries and they're having equal, even better success. And now that now it's going to catch up to them. So that is coming. Um, what else is coming? The CFPB, we did an episode on this just recently. They are alive and well, folks, they are alive and well. And we heard it from Mitch Kider where Mitch Kider shared with the group. He's like, look, I have a client right now. And he has a lot of clients, but he has a big client. Like this client's volume alone would put them probably top 25 would be my guess. He has a client who they're going through their CFPB audit. By the way, CFPB audits and audits in general are natural and normal for our industry. You have state audits, you have your aggregators audit you, your warehouse lender, they'll, they'll audit you. CFPB audit comes through. But he said 60% of the CFPB's focus is on loan officer compensation. Uh-oh. 40% is on MSA agreements. How are mortgage companies interacting with real estate agencies? And is that relationship at all muddying the waters as it pertains to RESPA Section 8? So that was something that that was discussed. And then the big elephant in the room is ain't nobody making no money. And the reason why nobody's making any money is just this. Loan officers, you're the reason they're not making any money. You are the reason. Let me just break this down for you. Right now, your compensation is one in which you get paid regardless of how you price a loan. That's part of LO compensation. Cool. But if you start pricing loans 30, 50, 60 basis points short, your mortgage company at best is making 45 to 65 basis points in a good year on that loan. So you're stripping away all the profit. And then what happens if, um, I don't know, you don't use a company like Lodestar, you don't disclose a loan properly, now there's a cost to cure. Ooh, you don't pay for that cost to cure, your company pays for that cost to cure. What happens if there's a rate lock extension and you don't charge it to the borrower? Someone has to absorb that rate lock extension. And then let's talk about low producing loan officers. Low producing loan officers, y'all need to hear this because A, no one should ever be low producing at anything they do. Like if you're gonna do it, do the best of your ability. But when you're a low producing loan officer, for me, that means you're, you're out of your first two years in the industry, right? Cause we need to give people two years to ramp up two years to figure it out, two years to get out there and build their, their network and build their, um, build their brand. But once you're outside of that and you're a full-time mortgage loan originator working for your bank, your credit union, your independent mortgage bank or what have you, let me just break down some headcount costs for you when you're a low producer. Let's say you're doing one to two loans a month. Now your branch manager is so happy like, oh yeah, well she brings in 
a couple loans a quarter and it all adds to the bottom line. Yeah, it adds volume, right? But volume doesn't pay the bills. Revenue does. And not just revenue, but net revenue is what we look for. So if I have loan officer A and let's use he, he does four loans a quarter and I have loan officer B and she does 16 loans a quarter. Then I start looking at the cost of caring any associate. Well, I have an IT bill, right? Because I have to have a computer and I have to have internet and I have to have all of the various um, uh, spyware checks that run you know, behind the scenes. I have to have a phone system. I have to have an email account. I have to have a website. I need an LOS. This requires licensing, by the way. Uh, I have to have some kind of a payroll, whether it's ADP or whether it's Alti Pro, right? I need to have some kind of a compliance. And then there are support personnel, whether they're in payroll, HR, IT, like actual humans who work. And then I have to figure out headcount. Well, how many processors do I need and how many of this do I need? So there's a per person headcount cost, right? Bianca in the back is probably nodding her head because she's a business consultant for, for a living. This is what she does and she's brand agnostic, right? So she does this across the entire spectrum of business, not just mortgage. So you start thinking about, let me convert that cost into basis points. And that cost could run some companies $2,000 a month. Well, $2,000 a month for a loan officer where she's doing four loans a month at a million dollars, just to use quick, easy math, that's 20 basis points. But if you're doing $200,000 a month on average, and it's still two grand to carry you, I know you're 100% commission, you're telling me that. And you're not even on my benefits, but you probably are. So that's 900 bucks a month to me, whether you do one loan, zero loans, or 10 loans, all of a sudden I'm converting your cost, you're 100 basis points. Why should any branch manager, any mortgage company, pay a low producer 80 basis points more than, a low, than, than, than an average producer? Like, think about that. Because the average producer cost me 20 basis points in a per headcount cost for all those things I listed. Rent, copy machines, IT, payroll, et cetera. Low producers cost me 100, but that's not fair. And then we have statistics. Right, so y'all know me, I'm a big fan of, of what Dave Savage does over at Mortgage Coach, I love his product. And Dave recently interviewed uh, Jim Deach with Stratmore. And I'm a big Stratmore fan. Stratmore is like the premier business mortgage consultant for the mortgage industry. And uh, during that interview between Dave and Jim, they were discussing even things like pricing exceptions. A loan officer, statistically, like these are numbers. Numbers don't lie, right? People lie, but not math. So statistically, a loan officer who does four to five units a month prices better than a loan officer who does one to two units a month. A loan officer who does four to five units a month has less cost of cures than a loan officer that does one to two units a month. So what people need to hear from today's session this morning is A, CFPB is alive and well. Be aware of that. Loan officers, your NMLS number is attached to that, not just your employer. Just because your branch manager let you do it doesn't mean you should have been doing it. Um, CFPB is alive and well. Take a look at your comp plan. What's being asked of you? How, how are you being compensated? Go back and reread LO compensation rules. Are you being compensated based on the terms and conditions of the loan? At which point, I would say that's in violation of how LO compensation rules were written. Or are you staying within the parameters that, that, were, that were laid out, whatever it was, 13 years ago? And then if you are a low producer for your firm, for your company, please know they still love you. They still like you. They still want to have a beer with you. They'll even invite you to go to the football game with them. They're probably not going to be able to employ you. Because we have people like Jim. We have people like Mitch. We have people like Stratmore who are coming out with this data that basically says if we eliminated, this is the mortgage industry. This isn't one particular company. I'm not talking Guild, Cross Country, Waterstone, Fairway. This is across the board. If we eliminated 50% of all mortgage loan originators, we would make more money. Let that sink in. 50% we would make more money. Why? Because what we're realizing, if we actually ran our business, not based on volume, but based on dollars and cents, it doesn't make sense to carry a low producer. The bottom 20 cost you money. The next 30% you break even on. And then those that are at 51 to 100, 
on that scale of one to a hundred, those are the people that you should be investing in. And imagine if you took those resources at the bottom was taking up and you poured it into those that were already making money, right? You're rewarding those that are valuable to the organization. And of course that, that 30% that I said is like, eh, you don't lose us money, but you don't make us money. Sure. A good manager and a good leadership team should go through that and find those that are in growth mode. Those that are, that are at conferences like NAMBA who care about their career, who are a part of their trade organizations, who are out there doing what it takes and then pour some, some extra resources into them. So you heard that, John. That's what I talked about with my executive team. That's what I heard this morning, listening to Dave, to Rob, to Mitch. And then this is the last one, because we, we opened up with winter. Um, and I'm not trying to scare anybody. I'm just like, hey, this is happening. Let's just prepare for it. Because it'll bring opportunity. I'm excited because all I see is opportunity. Right? Here's, I, here's what I have to do. I have to batten down the hatches when it comes to my personal spending. Right. I have to understand that I had not the first time in my career. I did it. Like you're talking to a guy that went 10 grand in credit card debt, becoming an LO, right? I drove around Orlando with four sale signs in my car. I cut off my cable, right? I'm not afraid of a little sacrifice if I'm going to get a great reward. And I'm at a point now in my life where hopefully my sacrifices aren't that severe, but I'm going to have to sacrifice a little bit and then I'll have to work twice as hard, but for a short period of time, six months, nine months, I can do that. Hey, you need me to go 100 days not drinking? I can go 100 days not drinking. You need me to go the rest of my life without having a beer? Eh, I don't know. I might want to punch you in the face. Um, but I can go 100 days. Like, we can go six months, nine months, and then we have to start making changes. Right? We got to get rid of those that are costing us money. We got to manage up those that we feel like can make money and bring value to, to the organization. And then we have to endure following the business models that have been proven to succeed you know, the whole, if it's new, it's not true. If it's true, it's not new. And then lastly, Mitch shared with the group that he's a part of a roundtable discussion, basically a private event where if you are interested in having your company acquired, or maybe you're trying to acquire companies, they're hosting an event or he's a part of an event that's being hosted. Like his company's being a part of it. Uh, there's a big accounting firm out there that's a part of this roundtable. But here's the crazy thing. He said they announced the event. They had 25 slots. Within 24 hours, they had filled 26 slots. What that tells me is there's 26 companies that, like that, were raising their hand saying, yes, I'm at a point where I think I need to be acquired. Now, there may be four or five in there, the guilds of the world that are like, I want to be there because I want to find the next company I'm going to acquire. But please know that during every acquisition, there's winners and losers, right? Your company may be acquired, but when the company who acquires you comes through, they're going to look for, hey, who's the cream of the crop? Who's in growth mode? Who's out there doing what it takes? Let's embrace them. Let's support them. Hey, everyone else, best of luck to you, right? So like that's kind of the state of the environment and where we're at. I see nothing but opportunity. And I hope when you hear me talk, you too see nothing but opportunity. They should have paid you to say that shit. That was inspiring. They should have, right? Yeah. Man. Yeah, maybe next time. Hey, maybe, maybe next time if, if I can get Tony, you know, <laughs> to really dive into TLOP and really dig what we're doing. That was amazing. Well, thank you, John. You know, I pay him to say that. So on that note, let's go ahead and open it up to Q&A. Like, we have audience members. Please know it does not have to be about mortgage. Like, my be favorite. About life shit. Life shit, too. Yes. My favorite way to speak, my favorite way to present is no holds bar. Anything goes. Just understand it's the world according to me based on my 44 years of experience. So that's my caveat. You're going to have to fact check me. I may mispronounce something like, hey, shout out to Bob Nemi. Bob's a, a, a friend of mine. He's a colleague, fellow CMB. Totally called me out. He's also a podcast listener. He loves TLOP, which makes me love Bob that much more. But I guess on an episode that, I, that John and I did with uh, CFPB, well, we didn't do it with them. It was about them. I said that RESPA stood for the real estate settlement. You, it, stood for, you still it, don't it's, know. It's Procedure Act. I, and and, and I, the, I messed up the P. 
Maybe I said policy. Maybe I said procedure. Maybe I said protection. I said protection. Shout out for him actually listening that intently, though. Yeah, well, if you know Bob, Bob's a nerd like that. Like, he is like Mr. Compliance, Mr. I dotted T-Cross. He was also a college football referee and played college football. He was a a middle linebacker. He was a dorm RA who wrote up kids all the day for smoking pot and drinking underage, probably. I don't think so, man. He was like the cool guy on the football team that probably laid you out at a party for saying that about him. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah. Violence, violence aside. Yeah, violence aside. So, no, uh, y- y'all should fact check me, but I-, I love to be asked anything, business, entrepreneurial, sales, real estate, home buying, mortgage, um, and I'll do my best to answer it. It'll be honest, meaning I believe what I said, uh, but um, yeah. it'll be real as well. I so who wants to go first? Who has a question? There's about 1,800 people in here, so I only think we're about to probably going to take 10. So, sorry. So probably you want to start right here. Can you start with your name, sir? Yeah, my name is Nolan, and I'm uh, with GT Financial. I have a question um, for the both of you guys, actually. Uh, how do you guys stay positive when you hear negative news? Because I feel like there's going to be a lot of that in the near future, and some people handle it differently. I'll people have go. low self-esteem, and I don't listen to them because the Internet's fake. Here's, here's funny. Y'all think JC's being, be, no, being funny? He's not being funny. No, yeah. Yeah. Great I question. Mean, yeah. If, if if you try to bring something to JC, he lives his life very much like uh, that person's immature for thinking that way or they have a low self-esteem and he just keeps rolling. Yeah. So I don't know how you do that. I think that's something you're just born I, with or I, life, I, I life think, is I, rounding I think you life, that way. Because a lot of times people, it's difficult to believe in yourself regardless if you're LO, if you're trying to, someone has ideas you bring to the table and you really might believe in the idea and then the person above you shits on it or the person above them says, yeah, I don't really like it. And then like three, four months, three years later, you kind of see an iteration of your idea out there in the wild and you're like, wow, okay, maybe my delivery was wrong. And then you repeat that same thing three, four, five times and then you realize like, all right, wait a minute, like, there's something going on here. Like I can't be the village idiot all the time. So then I just switched to, I flipped the script. I was like, all right, maybe I do know what I'm talking about. And it's usually those leaders and senior leadership who really don't know what they're talking about because let's be real, they're threatened. If anybody like beneath you comes to them with an idea, that's really great. I know like people will try to pretend and they want to foster an environment like, no, bring me ideas we love. That's a lie. Because as soon as you have those great ideas, the other people will start looking, the board who have you is like, well, this is why we pay you six figures and why aren't you coming up with these ideas? So once you kind of understand the way the game works, um, I honestly like the hate. Honestly, the more flack you get, the more people talking shit consistently. Um, and if you do a good job, like we're not out here, out here like throwing like shade. We're not out here trying like, you know, a shock value or whatnot. whatnot. But um, I think the more consistently you do things and the more you hear people hate, that just, it sounds corny, but it's not like fuel to fire. I don't like read comments because I don't go on the internet because I don't care because it's not a real place. Um, but it's just understand and like believe in yourself because once you have an idea, because I'm sure everyone in here has had that happen to them, whether it be in school, personal life, what ha- everyone's had it happen. So just believe that you know what is best, whatever you're trying to do, um, and stay, uh, stay the course, I'd say. Yeah, and I'll add to, to John's commentary there. Um, you also have to follow patterns. Like I love ideas, but also look for how did that idea work, whether it's another industry whether it was with someone else who does something similar, but your idea is still your idea. Um, Very few people have the ability to be a Steve Jobs, to be a Elon Musk, to be a um, Bill Gates, right? Very few. But at the same time, go study the Starbucks story. Because, you know, why is Howard Schultz who we talk about with Starbucks, but he wasn't the guy who started Starbucks? Because he had an idea that the two guys that had hired him didn't want to go explore and he believed in himself enough to do it. So I think there's always that balance of, okay, let me make sure it's tried and true. Let me make sure it has worked in other industries uh, and go with it. Now, if you were going a different direction with your question, Nolan, like how do you stay positive just in general? I am a, I set dates, I set goals and I'm totally fine moving the target. I am totally fine. Like, look, I bought into the economic theory that May 10th of 2023 rates were going to get better. And I got kicked smack dab in the face when they didn't. And I moved that to to August and many of y'all heard me say that. And then when that didn't happen, okay, I had, I had a new set of rules I had to play by and I just embraced it. I found a new date that works for me and I'm going towards that date. So I'm fine moving the goalpost. I'm fine moving the target. My new date, March one, March one. And until then I'm going to, not go curl up in a fetal position and suck my thumb. No, 
I'm going to get up every morning. I'm going to put on my uniform. I'm going to put one foot, foot in front of the other. Some days will be great days. Some days will be good days. Occasionally, I'll have a bad day. Bad days are okay as long as they don't become consistent. Blinders on and mush. Um, but I have to have something I'm going towards. You know, and that may be the athlete in me. That may be the endurance, um, triathlon, running, marathon dude in me. It's easier to train when I know what I'm training for. I'm training for March 1st. And all of us in the mortgage and real estate industry, in the supporting industries, whether it's title, whether it's insurance, whether it's technology, we all are training for our Olympics 2025. We all have a chance to be Olympians. I mean, make Olympic money, gold, gold medal money in 2025, 2026, 2027, if we put in the training and the hard work today all the way through 2024. Well said. What else you got for us? Who's next? Miss Joy from North Kakalaka. Shout out North Carolina. The Shout Charlotte, North Charlotte, Carolina. the city beautiful. Yeah, she, she is the queen from the Queen City. Yeah, we had a chance I keep to hang messing out. messing that up. That's Orlando. The city beautiful is Orlando. Yeah, correct. My you bad. always Yeah, but we got to hang out with Joyce. Joy actually has a pretty awesome YouTube channel. Shout out Joy. Let's Mortgage yeah. Boss. Go subscribe now. How do you spell B boss? B-O-S-S. No. Wrong. B-A-U-S-E. B-A-W-S-E. B-A-W-S-E. There we go. Mortgage Boss. But hey, I commend you literally. It's a long game, right? But But stick with it. But what's your question, Miss Joy? So actually, it's about that. So um, you're very consistent. Like I've been watching your podcast on YouTube at least two years. Say it for one more time for people in the back because it's a big auditorium. And so, where are you getting your content ideas that you are able to consistently produce content? Because I'll have lulls. I don't think I've posted anything on YouTube and at least a month because I feel like I have nothing to talk about. Okay. The rates are high. <laughs> Next. <laughs> yeah. I, so I absolutely love this question. And this is for anyone who's trying to become a social influencer. This is someone who sells real estate for a living. This could be someone who literally is selling 31 bags, right? Real estate mortgage professionals. Any one of us who is out there self-promoting, self-marketeer. And you're like, oh, how do you come up with content? Open your eyes. That's my, my first suggestion. Open your eyes and open your ears. You're a nine-year mortgage professional, right? You are a ex-school teacher. You have friends. You have family. What are y'all talking about at dinner? What questions did your, did your best friend's teenage daughter just ask you about what you do for a living? What did that borrower just ask you? What did that realtor just say to you? Right? It's all around us if we just look for it. We have to turn on our reticular activator and keep it on when it comes to content. And if you make a point to make content consistent, like I would tell you if I was coaching Joy, no, you're making one YouTube video a week, period. It's okay if they're not all bangers. Like it's okay. There's sometimes that John and I will be done. Every episode's amazing. I get up, he says every episode's amazing. I get up and in the way that I make myself feel good about it, I was like, well, we created a piece of content today. Yeah. To, to, to that point, I know you want to wait for an idea. Like before you make a video, you're like, all right, you wait for the subject because like, oh, this is going to go quote unquote viral. I'm, like, I'm going to get hella views on this. Yeah, you can't like think like that. You have to, as redundant, as, as basic as an idea might sound for a topic for a video, it's like, hey, you should have a bank account if you want to buy a house. Something like, and you'll think in your mind like nobody wants because that's common sense. And like 90% of the content that really bubbles up is like the common sense shit that you would think nobody would, it wouldn't resonate with him, but it does. Because you always think like, how can I kind of uh, flex my knowledge about some CFPB Darden rules, some made up shit that I've never heard of, but percentages make me sound really cool and smart. But to the average person, just like thumb playing with their phone on their lunch break, they're like, yeah, I don't know what that means. You really have to like become so basic that literally to his point, like a conversation you had this morning, uh, let's, I'm gonna ask you, uh, what did you, did you have a conversation with anybody this morning? Exactly. Um, yes. So she. So you said in the mic. So I'll repeat it. She talked today to someone who has five thousand dollars of mattress money. Right. Money is not in the bank. Yeah. Like, you could create content around that. You could even come up with a really cool like Neil deGraw hook around like you know uh, mattress money. Get your money out the trap. Yeah. 
Here's the number one mistake most first-time homebuyers make. You know, okay, cool, you caught my attention. All you're going to talk to me about is not having mattress money. Mm -hmm. Like, get that money into an account. Mm -hmm. And that's easy for you to talk about, so you're not constantly thinking about it. You're not analyzing, like, oh, I don't need notes. You don't need notes. You don't need preparation to talk about something like that. And once you start making that content, it sounds basic, but then just do it again, and then do it again. And then one day, something will pop off. You will get an idea, like, okay, now I'm ready to do that. But, again, that's the seduction of social media and, like, kind of the world we live in. Like, every, I got to make this post, and I'm going to go viral. That's what every, I mean, what, it needs to go viral today. I'm like, that's not how it works. Like some of the dumbest content out there, if you will ask anybody, the, usually the most part, whether it be an artist, a musician, um, someone on social media, someone that blows up, they will be out there making like TikTok after, I'm doing the same videos 50, 50 years in a row, and then one day for some reason, I just decided to do this one-off thing that I would never do, that I thought would flop, but I just said, ah, fuck it, I'll do it. And then when you actually do that, that was like catalyst for them to kind of blow up. So, but you, you can't constantly chase that that, oh, this is gonna go viral. Just like wake up and like, all right, I'm gonna post something today and we'll do it. Cause literally I walk in just like today, it's like how we walked in, I was like, all right, what'd you talk about? What's the subject? I'm, and we've had like reps under our belt to where we kind of get it. But like our first episode, you go back, you're like, yo, uh, hi, Dustin, hi, I'm John. Yeah, we got mortgage. It's like, you don't know, but you just have to get over that. And once you do it more consistently, then you'll realize like some of the episodes that he quote unquote hated the most, like, ah, oh, shit, that was awful, flip the table like three days later turned out to be like some of our best performing content. And don't look at the views, um, look at the people that actually respond, like people that comment, that's a good thing. But trust, there is a, most people have watched your videos, they'll never engage with it, they'll never like it, they'll never tell you about it. But if you see them at a conference like that, they'll walk up, I love your channel. And you're like, wow, that's great, do you follow me on Instagram? No. Do you follow my YouTube? And you're like, no, but I love what you do, keep it up. And like that's kind of the inspiration you need to follow because no matter what, even if it gets no views, no engagement, there's people see it and people view it. So that's what you need to go after. So don't overanalyze it. Don't overthink it. It could be basic as hell. Yep. And I'll just second it with I am 0 for 99 trying to create content that's going to be a banger. Anything that was a banger, we didn't go into with that thought process. Anytime I was like, let's make this. It's going to be awesome. Got to drop it today because it's on fire. And it's yeah. like people like, oh, I mean, like, I've, done, I've had guests on that I'm like, this guest is going to be awesome. Right, like a buddy of mine who has an awesome story, who has, has played Alvaro in The Walking Dead. He's been on movies like Identity Thief, and um, he's been on um, Hawkeye, which is a Marvel TV show. It, I was like, man, this is going to be awesome. Well, yeah, nope. Yeah. Or like one of my favorite episodes I've ever done is, is I did one coming back from Philadelphia where I talked about life lessons of, the, of our forefathers. Still one of my favorites, not everyone else's favorite. It's my favorite. Um, I had on um, a WWE diva, and this was all about women's empowerment and, like, loved it. I mean, I was so grateful that Dasha came by to do it. And it's an earlier episode, so it may do better now, but it didn't perform. Yet, if I put one out there, like, how to become a mortgage loan originator, 75,000 views. Yeah. You know, it's <laughs> yeah. like, oh, that was a day that we mm -hmm. were just trying to create content. Yeah, but don't we just had to create content that day. And then my, my last thing for anyone on Facebook, just in general. Because we need to be posting daily, every single day. And it does not need to be what you do for a living every single day. What you do for a living every third day, and then what you do for life, the two days in between. And again, I always get the, yeah, I just don't know what to post about. I'm like, what would you do today? Like, literally, just pause for a second. So, okay, I was out running Lake Michigan. Well, if you know me, you know I'm a runner. But you also know I live in Florida. So how cool. Let me take a second. Stop. Pause, selfie. And then when I got back to my hotel room before I went down to the conference that I was attending, I took the next 30 seconds and I posted about it. Is that my natural? No, that's not my natural. My natural is not to post at all and let my wife tag me. But this is what I do for a living. Therefore, I can be intentional for 30 seconds or intentional for three minutes. You just have to kind of turn your reticular activator on. Does that help you? Yeah. Awesome. Come on in, y'all. Come on in. There's people yeah, trying to come in. Right. Yeah. I know it's standing room only. Oh my gosh, we have to kick some people. Oh, out. another the, North Carolina the coming fire in. Fire marshal's gonna shut going, us down. We're, Shit. <laughs> we're we're going from Charlotte to Raleigh now. What's that drive like? Two hours? Two, two and a half. Okay. All right. Sean Knock, North State Bank, Raleigh, North Carolina. So with the vision, like creating the loan officer podcast, you've been in the business for 44 years. But 44 what, oh, Jesus, years. Sean. Holy shit. Holy oh, cow. Holy, wow, you old bastard. But no, no, no. Man. But, but yeah. what made you want to start this? Like, obviously there was a reach that you wanted to hit or a target, you know. So what made you do it? 
Yeah, this is – I love this question, right? Um, Thank you, it, Jessica. It, in, you. in a weird way, could I like the one answer? Maybe narcissism? I don't know. Like – um, hopefully not narcissism. I think a lot Narcissi of, yeah, that, I, I think a lot of successful people have a little bit of like narcissistic qualities about them. So maybe I should embrace it in a very microdose. John knows all about microdosing, mm -hmm. but, uh, it came down to this, Sean, I spent 19 years. Actually, I'm 19 years now in the business. So at this point it would have been 16 years coaching and teaching consumers. Everything that wasn't taught to me growing up, wasn't taught to me in high school. It wasn't taught to me in college. I learned it because I have childlike curiosity because I'm money motivated and I entered the mortgage industry. And when I entered the mortgage industry as a mortgage loan originator, I got to see inside of everyone's closet and under their bed. And I was like, damn, okay. Made me feel better about myself in some instances. In other instances, I was like, wait a minute, that person's two years younger and they got 30 grand in the bank and I got three grand. How'd they do that? And as I started becoming successful, I started needing people like CPAs in my life. And I needed people like financial advisors in my life. And I started networking with people who, who came from different parts of the world, different economic situations, had worked in different careers. Think of your clients, right? We started doing loans for doctors and lawyers or cops and teachers or engineers. If you're naturally curious as a mortgage loan originator, you're learning about their business and about their company and about their compensation structure. So I took all of that and I started pouring that knowledge into my clients. I read a Dave, Dave Ramsey book. I started teaching my clients about Dave Ramsey. I listened to Clark Howard. I started teaching and mimicking and parroting Clark Howard. Now, I'm not a huge Dave Ramsey person in general, but I love his space and I love what he has done for the most part. Same thing about Clark Howard or Susie Orman or Peter Lynch or anything else that I've done. And then as my, my personal book kind of took off, I got into management. So now I started pouring my own story into other loan originators. I'm like, look, if I did this, right, you're talking to a kid from a awesome household, like very fortunate. Two parents loved each other. I lived in one house my whole life and I went to three schools. That by itself makes me privileged, let alone being white and male, right? So I had that, but I didn't have all this money, right? My dad's an electrician, my mom's a school bus driver. We lived in a blue collar neighborhood which was kind of fun because blue collar neighborhoods are way more fun than white collar neighborhoods. Cause we did things like got in fist fights, right? We had BB gun fights, like truly Andre, go get your BB gun. I get my BB gun, rip the shoulder pads out of mom's blazer, wear them for protection, go out by the train tracks and shoot each other with BB guns. I don't think the rich kids were doing that, but that's stuff we were doing back then. Right. Um, but, so that's a very long answer to a very short yeah, question. And my, my apologies. Up. I'll wrap it up for you, JC. But as I started coaching loan officers, here's what was happening. I had loan officers coming to my office, getting out their cell phones, wanting to record me. I had clients saying, oh my God, that was freaking amazing. A, you talk too much, but B, that was amazing. Yeah. I wish my spouse was here to listen. Do you have training videos? Well, I didn't have training videos. Um, and loan officers were just recording me. Truth be told, how did we get the podcast? I tried doing training videos. It was a freaking disaster. We had our receptionist who said that she had a very nice camera. I grabbed a loan officer that, that, I, that I've known my whole life and we tried to do training videos together. It would literally end up with me throwing something with Gina being in tears and me having to apologize. And it just didn't work out. So we put out a requisition for a media specialist. I was introduced to John Coleman. Through that, I asked John, do you know anything about podcasting? He's like, not really, but I can figure it out. That's how it was done. But the premise was my borrowers throughout the years gave me the encouragement that they wanted to record me and hear me. My loan officers were coming in and asking me to, to record them. I was being asked to speak at national events and I was enjoying it and I was getting good response and good feedback. Well, that feeds the ego. And truth be told, when I was 10, I wanted to be a, radio, a sports announcer. When I was 18, I fell in love with talk radio. All of that played into the culmination of, you know what, let's do a podcast and then take this as um, inspiration for any business that you may want to enter because John and I are going on three and a half years in a podcast and podcasts make no money. We're still doing it. This is a hobby because it costs us money. Yes. Now we are trying to leverage it into our first product. We launched our first product, tloponline.com as branch manager in a box. 
So it took us three years to get there, but we went into the podcast with, with this thought, we're going to do this for two years and joy. We're going to consistently produce two episodes a week, every week, not willy nilly Tuesdays and Fridays. We may willy nilly when we record, but we don't willy nilly when, when we drop. So Tuesday and Friday, and we're going to do that as long as it was fun. And as long as people wanted to tune in, but we are going to give it two years. We are fine sucking for three months, six months, nine months. We weren't going to be cool giving up. And luckily for us at about month six, month seven, we started getting some early positive response. And we used that to fuel the fire by about year one, year two is like, okay, I think we're onto something. Let's figure it out. And we're still figuring it out. Yeah. Like we, we are we still, still figuring it out. No idea what we're doing. So don't wait till you like think you have it figured out. Just like you got to start doing it and then like build the road as you go. Like even if you don't have equipment, just make a point to just start doing it and then you'll gradually become better at it. It'll snowball. Help you out? Awesome. Yes, ma'am, in the back. Oh, From our non-mortgage professional. Out. I love I'm it. nervous. Oh, shit. Hold yeah. on. It's about to be a media question. No. Okay. Uh, you guys did mention something about originators who are just not cutting it. And so from a business point of view, we always want to look at what is the best thing we can do for our teams, um, the reputation we have as a company, but also for the consumer. So how does a loan originator who wants to cut it, let's say they're in that 30% you mentioned earlier, but also those who are in the 50%, um, they are in the growth mindset, like you had said, how do they build their own personal brand? And what does a consumer look for in identifying that that is the go-getter informed originator that they need to work with because there's not necessarily a quick return 30-day closing but what if it's a consumer who needs to purchase or wants to work toward a purchase that'll take two years you want to take this one yeah i'll, yeah, I'll handle this one i have no idea i'm gonna pass this to you Great all right question. <laughs> all right alley you all right penny to shack i'll be shack he'll be penny um First and foremost, for those loan originators and even the consumers, right? The consumer is trying to choose, well, which LO should I, should I go with? And then the LO is trying to be like, hey, how do I survive and become one of these elite LOs that companies want to keep around? I'm going to ask that person, what are you doing to invest in yourself? Because you are the product. It's your brain. That's the product. What type of advice do you give? Are you a consultant? Then I'm going to ask, what technologies do you use to enhance the consumer experience, but to actually convey your message? You know, are you using mortgage coach? Are you signed up with HomeBot? Do you have a CRM? Because if you're going to try to cultivate a relationship with someone for over two years, you cannot do that by yourself. You have to utilize technology. That's where a CRM would, would come into play. Um, and then what value do you bring them in terms of being a resource? Because that's what you want to be, the resource of all information. So who do you know that you connect them with? Like, look, if they have bad credit, it's not your job to fix their credit. It's your job. <laughs> to introduce them to a service that can fix their credit, right? I mean, we can help those people who can be helped, but all people deserve help. All people deserve it. Just some people deserve five minutes. Some people deserve five hours, depending on where they are. You can spend five minutes being a good human, pointing them in the right direction, introducing them to the right resources. And then when they are ready, get them back. And right resources may be a video that you recorded once on how to be less of a mess financially. One time, you spent two hours recording one video. Now you send that video to everyone who is credit challenged. So that's your way of maximizing your time by also supporting that originator. But you have to invest in yourself. You need to be coached. None of us do this alone. And I don't care who us is and what industry I'm talking about. You need a coach. Your coach may be your sales manager. It may be your branch manager, right? Your coach may be some phenomenal title company where the title company has a resource that they offer to the local community that, that you can leverage. Or you may need to go join a coaching system, whether it's growth only coaching, right? Whether it's becoming a member of tloponline.com or whatever your profession may be. It may be Tony Robbins. It may be Brian Buffini. It may be Joe Stumpf at buy referral only. I mean, we can keep on going on and on and on, but it's like, what are you doing to invest in you, invest in your business? I think of school teachers all the time when I'm talking to loan officers and realtors and any other financial sales professional or entrepreneur. My wife, the school teacher, Joy, the ex-school teacher, making their 36 to 52 grand a year, on average spends about $2,000 a year in the classroom out of their pocket. These are school teachers who are salaried. 
spending that much money. Y'all have an opportunity as mortgage loan originators to make a hundred, four hundred, six hundred, one point two million dollars. What are you doing? After hours, teachers are grading papers. Teachers are spending money on their classroom. What, what's your classroom look like, and where are you spending your money? I think you have to be able to to do that. And Bianca, to answer your question, I think it it it's a it's a culmination of per, personal professional development. You have to figure out where to get it, and then it's also becoming an advisor and an educator to the consumer, understanding that. For many consumers, especially for those of us that are in residential real estate, residential finance, for many consumers, you are the closest thing to a financial advisor that they will ever see. You have an opportunity to impact not just one life, three lives. That person has a spouse. That person has a child. If you pour your knowledge into that person, you're changing three lives, but only if you have the knowledge. So then what are you doing? What books are you reading? What podcasts are you subscribed to? What conferences are you attending? What type of coaching program are you a part of so that you can take that information and then regurgitate it to somebody else? Does that help you out a little bit, Bianca? You're very welcome. I know we're probably getting long on time. I'm just guessing, John. You have a good yeah. sense for this. Where are we, do you think? Uh, I don't know. Okay. Well, we're, we're probably pushing yeah, is there 40, another, yeah. 40, 50 minutes. We'll do like but two yeah, more questions. We'll do two more questions. That's fine. So just to actually to spring off of that point that you just made, and um, it seems like social media has been a big focus of our conversation today. Um, how do you respond to the people who get their information off of TikTok, which, as we all know, is probably less than accurate. Um, and I know me and Joy had this conversation earlier. Through those 30-second snippets that people are, are listening to, are they really doing themselves a disservice by taking everything they hear to heart? I'll let you go, John, but I do have a, I have a decent ahead. answer for it. Go ahead. Oh, no, you go first. Um, here's what's interesting about TikTok. I have two theories on it. I hate TikTok. Well, the, <laughs> um, the good news about TikTok, it's like, you know, 13 to 23-year-olds. So they won't be buying a house for 10 more years. That said, it doesn't mean that you shouldn't be on it. Because at the end of the day, when that, when that 23-year-old becomes 26 and they start seeking out information, you want them to see you. So that more when, they, when you're referred... Because here's what's going to happen with the next generation. They want to do business with you face-to-face -face and belly-to-belly, -belly, but not until they know something about you. So if you're not able to be found, and then when, when they do find you, if they don't like what they see because you're boring, because you're stale, or because you're polarizing, or because you're kind of non-existent, like you're there, but you're not talking. Um, so you need to be there. But your question was more about uh, misinformation. Man, I promise you, those people 20 years ago were getting misinformation from their mom and dad, from their best friend, from their sister. Like misinformation is not new. Misinformation is probably as old as, as languages and, and, you know, societies are. It's just the manner at which point we're getting our, our misinformation or how quickly it is to dis disseminate the misinformation. I wouldn't let it distract me. I mean, it, look, it is what it is. Think of this. It's an opportunity for you to actually come in and be the educator. Like, think about what type of trust you would have if you're able to say, hey, I get where you think that because I'm sure you watched that TikTok video, but let me tell you what the real world is like because you represent real world. They represent the Kardashians, the fake real world. Well said, Dustin. All right, last one. I have one more question. We're going to wrap it up. Anybody? Any takers? You could ask a question too. I mean, you could. No, you don't. Uh-oh. No, we got Wreck-It Ralph Re in the <laughs> back. No Shout questions. out Wreck-It Ralph. Hey, Wreck-It Ralph just got his CMB. Oh, he hey. Yeah, hey, congratulations, Ralph we Remy. We put this on for you, Ralph. Ralph Remy in the house, National MI. Don All Julio right. shots after this. Oh, we're doing Don Julio shots on JC to celebrate Ralph's CMB. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So Ralph doesn't have any questions, but Joy has one last question. So we'll let Miss Joy close us out. So I think the biggest challenge that I have experienced uh, in the last several months is um, I work for a direct lender, and I'm wondering if you all are losing, uh, well, what percentage of the business, or how are you combating the preferred lenders with the builders? Yes. Um, I'm, I mean, they get the pre-approval, and they're immediately out the door, and I can't compete with that. So yep, what so do you suggest? Qu qu question is funny. We... Um Shameless plug, but through our premium memberships on tloponline.com, we do two sales training calls a month live, right? Very similar to this, but it's via Zoom. 
um, probably less people. We probably only have like 60 or 70 people on those Zooms. And then we bring in one uh, industry expert to do like an impromptu, right? Could be a top producer, could be someone doing personality profiling, could be a, another mortgage coach, right? Coming in to, to speak. But I just covered this on one of the calls and I'll share this with you when it pertains to losing business when the consumer ends up going with the builder's lender because the consumer is getting a massive closing cost credit or incentive, usually ten, twelve, fifteen thousand dollars $15,000. Four-letter word. It's not shit and it's not fuck. It's next. Unfortunately, the four-letter word is next. You can say those other two words too on your way to getting to the next. Look, I didn't do my sister's loan. I didn't do my sister-in-law's loan. I told both of them, your experience isn't going to be like it is with me. Your rate may be an eighth higher. Your closing cost may be 600 to a thousand dollars more, but 10 grand is 10 grand or 12 grand is 12 grand. And I couldn't be a good advisor, Bianca, a good consultant. If I told you to forego $10,000, to save 30 bucks a month on a mortgage you're going to have for three to five years, right? Yes, you will have tears. Yes, you too will want to say four letter words and throw stuff against the wall, but it's still 10 grand and neither one of them were in a position in their life where they could afford to do that. Now, maybe they are like, maybe they're just married the, the prince of Yemen and they can afford because they have oil money now. They can afford to go ahead and forego that $10,000, but more than likely they can't. There's not a whole lot that you and I can do. Now we can try to get in with that builder, right? We could try to find a way to bring value to that builder. Maybe there's, there's some kind of product or service that you provide that they or their lender doesn't provide. And you would have to get that. It's a long play as well, but have to consistently start working to build relationships with their um, local sales agents, as well as find out who is the regional sales director and try to get in with, with her or get in with him and figure out, because a home builder, I know this, if they're capturing 80%, they're crushing it. That tells me the internal optimist, there's 20% that's open and available. Now it may be leaking out to other lenders, but there could be a way for you to slide in there. You just have to have those conversations and ask them. Cool? Y'all, thank you, yes, thank so, you so much. much round for, of applause for y'all Yeah, woohoo! round yeah. of applause. Fire mushrooms coming in, telling me we gotta shut us down. There's two hours of line outside. But no, thank you all so much. Um, this has been a lot of fun. Thanks for attending the NAMBA conference. Yes, we hope we look you, forward Namba. to seeing you next year at this event or even either at some future events that may be coming up. He's John Coleman. I'm Dustin Owen. You just tuned in to the Loan Officer Podcast. That's all the time we have for you today, but we look forward to catching you on the next episode.